0: Father God, we thank you that you opened our eyes to the new. You opened our eyes to the unseen, God, and we declare this morning there is nothing on this earth that's as beautiful, as wonderful, as powerful as you. God, we pray as we continue with our time together, God, would you bless your word, that it would impact hearts, impact minds impact lives for your glory. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You may take your seats. I um, just want to get straight into the message this morning. We, um, we're we in a message series looking at the gifts of the Spirit, looking at the gifts that God Gives us through his spirit. You know, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he gives us a list of uh, different gifts of the spirit. And if you remember last week, if you were with us, we talked about discernment of spirits. We looked at what a word of wisdom is and what a word of knowledge is. And we're going to carry on that theme today by looking at more gifts. And just want to say, if you haven't joined us before or if you haven't been for a while, we are a Pentecostal church. We do believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is one of three aspects of God that actually dwells inside us and empowers us to do the work of God on this earth. And we're looking at some of the gifts that that Spirit gives us to go and do the work God's called us to do. Um, we believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit are active. Yeah. We believe they are for now. There are some denominations, uh, some traditions that would say, no, those, those gifts were for, for you know, the New Testament times. They're not active anymore. Actually, that's not true. They are active. They are still uh, in operation today. And, and just we just really felt as we were praying over this year and where we wanted to go as a church, we really felt that it was important that actually we do a little bit of teaching on these gifts to help you understand what they are, how they work, and actually how we can move in them. Because I believe God's equipped us all to go and do what he's called us to do. Yeah. I believe he's empowered us to go and do all that God has called us to do. You know, Jesus said this, that anyone who believes, anyone who believes, will do what? The same works? Well, yes, but, read what Jesus says, and even greater works. So all that stuff Jesus did 2,000 years ago wasn't just us for us to sit down on a Sunday morning and go, oh, wonderful, Jesus, you did all that back then. Actually, Jesus has got a plan and say, you know what, the same power that raised me from the dead lives in you. And it's there to help you go and do what I've called you to do. That same power Jesus needed to change communities in first century Palestine is the same power that we need to change this community now. It's the same power. Now, it's interesting, these gifts, when we talk about these gifts, yes, they are gifts to us, but guess what? They're not for us. I've just blown some of your minds there. They're not for us, actually. They're given to us. But actually, Paul says this. I've gone too far. Sorry, let me go back. There we are. Right, Paul says this. To each one, the gifts are given for the common good. The King James puts it this way. The manifestation of the Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit, the things the Spirit gives you. They're given to each one for the profit of every voice. The profit of all. They're given for Everyone, the whole world, they're not given to God so we can have a spiritual moment and a holy huddle once on a Sunday because we're the church. We're created to make a difference in the world. We are the church, but we're here for, we exist for the world. Sorry, Rich, this isn't working for me. Well, I want to look at three gifts this morning. If we can hold on just on that slide. It's a bit small. I apologize if you can't see it from the back. If you can't see it from the back, sit more forward. There's your answer. Um, but you know what? God gives us these gifts, and we have what's called the revelation gifts, where God reveals something uh, into the life of the church, the life of his believers. And then I want to look this morning at the power gifts. Everyone say power. power. Everyone say power like you believe it. Power. Everyone say power like you're He-Man. Do you know what God's all powerful? Thanks, Rob. God is all powerful. There's a Latin phrase that describes God as omnipotent or omnipotent. Omni meaning all, potent meaning powerful. He is all powerful. And what the power, what the power gifts that Paul is talking about, they demonstrate God's power visibly. You might have heard that old phrase: signs and wonders. They're signs for the non-believers, but they're wonders for us all. They're things that are real, that are tangible, that are evidential of the power of God working. That They're demonstrations of the supernatural, unlimited power of God in our world. And I want to just take us through really, really quickly this morning, because I want to give us some time to do some, some, just some stuff with God uh, at the end. But I just want to go through them in the order that Paul writes them. And he says that some people, the Spirit gives the gift of of faith now you might be thinking well we've all got faith we've we've all got a degree of faith but actually we said last week these gifts are really specific sometimes the gift of faith is actually a really specific faith for a specific event i want to give you an example 10 weeks ago we said to you as a church we want to gather 500 easter eggs and we're going to give them out to, to the children in this community. And we're going to invite them to a special meeting on Good Friday, to an event that we've never done before. So in faith, we got 500 Easter eggs. We bought booklets. We had postcards printed. We went around the shops in Newbridge and said, listen, we've never done this before. Would you join us? Do you know what? That was all faith. We had no idea who'd say yes. Yes. We had no idea who would come. We had no idea if anyone would come. We went into these shops. There was no assurances there, and, and, and I mean this genuinely. We didn't know if anyone would come. But we had faith that God would do something special. We believed that God would do something special. Can I tell you, Good Friday morning, the number of unsaved families was double the number of saved people in the building. I think that's exciting. And it shows what God can do actually when we stretch out in our faith. We've got a fun day in the summer. Can I tell you, it is an act of faith. We're having conversations as a leadership team, as a board of trustees about how we're going to make this happen. But I'm telling you, the whole thing is an act of faith. Because we're believing for that field to be flooded with families. And and amongst the inflatables, amongst the food, amongst the face painting, amongst all the fun, amongst all that, we're believing these families find hope. That they discover a God who loves them, a God who brings peace, a God who brings freedom, a God who brings joy. And I've I've hesitated on saying this, particularly online, because once it's online, that's it. But I'm just going to say it because this is where I feel just my faith is at the moment. I'm believing for 2,000 people. I'm believing for 2,000 people to walk onto that field and be touched with the message of the gospel and be touched with a message of hope. And in faith, we're stepping out as a church and saying, do you know what? We've never done it before. We're going to do the best one we've ever done. And we're going to make sure this community knows there is a God in heaven who loves them. But it starts with faith. And and there is a faith. You know, sometimes we have this faith where we say, God, I believe you can, but it's okay if you don't. Now that is that faith is okay. That faith is fine. It's actually a really strong faith to have. But the gift of faith is the total conviction that something will happen because you are absolutely convinced God is in it. You know, when you sit down to a, to a meal, we went out for an Indian as a, as a team, uh, part of AOG on uh, what night was it? Friday night, and we sat down at this Indian. At no point did we ever think, Do you know what, this meal's not coming. We were convinced this food was coming. It took a while. But at no point did any of us say, I don't think it's coming. It was coming. When you sit down to a restaurant, why do you sit down? Because you know the food's coming. You know it's going to happen. There is a faith there that is, there's a conviction in you. Something is going to, Happen. I love this quote I read from David Pitches. If you ever heard of the New Wine Movement, David Pitches was the man who started the New Wine Movement. He said this that the gift of faith is a supernatural surge of confidence from the Spirit of God, and a person receives a transrational certainty and an assurance that God is about to act. I love that phrase, transrational. That it is above our rational thinking. It's more than just hoping. It's more than just praying, actually. It's more than being confident. The gift of faith is an ultimate assurance that God is going to do something unexpected. You're convinced of it. And sometimes you can, you know, choose to do something that you think is right and you think God's telling you and you pray it's going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But the gift of faith means that you are absolutely, definitely convinced God's on the case. And God is going to move. And that is the gift of faith. You know, someone once said, you know, and this could be in relation to finances. And someone once said, you know what, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. Yeah. If God wants this to happen, God will provide the finances for it to happen. And that is the gift of faith where we're saying, Do you know what, God is in this. God will provide. God will move. God will heal God will do the thing that I'm expecting him not hoping I'm expecting him to do and that gift of faith actually kind of leads us into the next two gifts which are miracles and healings now you don't have to have kind of uh, have one to have the other by the way Paul says we have different gifts but I want to just say there is an element of faith involved in miracles and healings and there's a bit, bit of a difference, actually, when you look at, at uh, gifts of miracles and gifts of healings. And, and in fairness, when I've studied this over the last week, there's probably a bit of a crossover. When you look at healings and you look at miracles, some people say, actually, were well, they're the same thing. Or there's this kind of crossover period, and no one can quite work out where the crossover is. But I'll just kind of give you my understanding, and if you've got a better understanding, please do come and correct me. But my understanding is that is a healing is a miracle that's connected to the body. Now, some say it's a miracle when it's an instant healing, but for me, a healing is when you get a specific miracle that is attached to the body. A miracle is when something unexpected, unexplained, almost impossible happens in the world around us. So let me give you an example. When a Liverpool player breaks his leg, rolls around on the floor, screaming in agony, then suddenly gets up and starts running again, that's a miracle. (laughs) When a Liverpool player gets booked for diving, that's a miracle. Do you know what God's a miracle working God? Thank you for your belief. God's a miracle working God. He created the universe from nothing. He created the known universe from nothing. He parted the Red Sea. He had Jonah swallowed by a whale. Elisha saw an axe head made of steel float. We had the widow with the never-ending supply of oil. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked into a fiery furnace and came out unsinged. Daniel went into a den of lions and came out unharmed. Jesus walked on water. Jesus turned water into wine. The list goes on. God is a miracle-working God. I heard a story once of a police officer who was following a car going down the road, and this car was was swerving all over the road, back and forth. So the policeman Pulls his car over, and it's the local priest. And he, he says, would you wind your window down? And he says to the priest, I said, I'm a bit embarrassed to ask this, but have you been drinking? The priest says, no. And the policeman spots a bottle, clear liquid. And the policeman says, do you mind if I ask what's in that bottle? The priest says, well, it's just water. The policeman says, can I check? So the policeman grabs the bottle takes a sip and says, this isn't water, this is vodka. The priest goes, hallelujah, he's done it again. <laughs> Do you know, if we, if we included healings, there's nearly 200 recorded miracles in the Bible. 200 recorded miracles in the Bible. 66 books, that's probably two and a bit miracles for every book in the bible do you know what god's a miracle working god it said and i haven't got time to go through it that in his life jesus performed a miracle that suspended every single law of nature he turned water into wine actually changed the substance of a liquid he fed five thousand people by creating something out of nothing he walked on water he told a storm to stop he rose from the dead Go on, church. God is not a prisoner to the laws of nature. He's not restricted by the laws of physics. He's not held back by our lack of faith. God's a miracle-working God. Now, to have the gift of miracles or the gift of healing, it doesn't mean you have the power to walk around the supermarket turning water into wine. As great as that would be, fill your trolley with bottled mineral water and walk out with shabli. It'd be fantastic. That's not what it's for, by the way. It's a specific gift given to you for a specific purpose. And by the way, you're not the one doing the miracle. God is. God's just using you as, as, as a conduit, as a channel through which the power of God can work. And it's you, your availability, your faith that enables that miracle. To happen. And I want to talk really, really quickly, because I want to give us some time at the moment, about two miracles that Jesus performed, and then I want to talk about a healing. But in Mark's gospel, we read of two identical, almost, miracles that Jesus performs. They're actually separated by two chapters, Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter 8. Chronologically, if you're looking at the timeline of Jesus, they may be a month, a month or two apart. And we've got a miracle where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. And then another miracle where Jesus feeds 4,000 people, and I won't go into the narratives, but I want, to, I want you to see something, because there's a lot of similarities here, but the first thing I want you to notice is Jesus does the exact same miracle twice. Slightly different context, slightly different kind of circumstances, but he does the exact miracle twice. Now, why is that important? It's important because if G, it reminds me, if Jesus has done it once, he can do it again. If, if Jesus, God has done a miracle in your life, he can do it again. If God's healed you once, he can do it again. If God has ever moved powerfully in your life, we do not say, oh, well, I'm just going to sit down and say, well, that's my lot. Do you know what? If God's done it once, he can do it again. And Jesus says this. He says to the, the in both texts, you get these 5,000 people, these 4,000 people, and, and the disciples go, oh, they're, they're hungry. Jesus, where are we going to find food? Where are we going to find food? There is no deliveroo. We can't call Uber Eats and, and get this stuff delivered. Where, where's the food, Jesus? But I want to suggest they're asking the wrong question, because Jesus says this, how much bread do you Have. Where's the emphasis there? Emphasis on the disciples. Disciples are going, where's the food, Jesus? Where's the food? Where's the food? Jesus goes, no, hang on, how much have you got? How much bread have you got? What have you already got? What have you already got to be thankful for? What have you already got that is proof of God's provision? See, when you take stock of what God's already done for you, it raises your faith. When you count your blessings and you name them one by one, do you know what? It'll surprise you what God's done and it'll surprise you what God will do again. Because God is saying, okay, you need to take stock of what you got. Now, it's interesting this because the disciples go out. They go go and look for this bread. Now, has Jesus mentioned fish? So they go out. They take stock of what Jesus has asked them to count. And what happens, God throws some fish in as well. They weren't looking for fish. They weren't asking for fish. Jesus said, listen, how much bread have you got? Take stock of what I've given you. And do you know what? You're going to find something else. Next thing, Jesus says this. He says both crowds sit down. Prepare to eat. Food's not there yet. Jesus hasn't done the miracle yet. All he's got is this basket of bread and a couple of bits of fish. And he says to 5,000 people, right, sit down, get ready to eat. Again, when you sit down to a restaurant, you sit down because you're confident you're just about to eat. You're confident that food is coming, and 5,000 people sit down. There is no food there at all. And he says to the crowd, sit down because I'm going to do something special. Get yourselves ready to receive what I'm about to do. And, and I love this bit. This is the best bit. Both narratives Jesus does what? He takes the bread off the disciples, he breaks it, he blesses it. Then what, he, what does he do? Gives it back. Actually gives it to the disciples. It's Jesus that does the miracle, but it's the disciples by which that miracle is distributed. That actually they're they're used as as a channel for that miracle to happen. In church, I'm convinced if we're open to God, if we're open to God moving and working through us, I'm convinced miracles can happen. I'm convinced of it where God will will use us as, as almost instruments or funnels in which to distribute his miracles, but we've got to be open, and we've got to be ready to be that person. I want to move on to the the gift of healing. Now again, the the gift here, God's doing the healing, you're just the funnel, you're just the channel, the conduit for that healing power to come, but I want to talk about one of my favorite stories about healing. It's in Luke's gospel, and and Jesus is walking around. Uh, We think Capernaum, and he's actually on the way, if you read the text, he's on the way to heal someone else. He's on his way to heal someone else, and, and, and he, he's kind of walking through this town, and, and he's walking towards this house, and we get who Luke calls a woman. A woman. No name, no family name. Nothing to identify her, no kind of job title, job role, no husband, nothing that would identify her, just a woman. Now, actually, Luke gives us a little bit more information. He says she's a woman with an issue. I'm going to be very careful when I say that. But she's a woman with, he says, an issue of blood. Now, there's no name, no mention of family, no mention of any connections but she's described and defined by her condition. She's labeled by her problem. Her issue is her issue. Now I've spoken on this passage before and again, I want for time, I won't go too deep into it, but she's had this problem, she's had this issue, she's been bleeding constantly for 12 years. And I wanna suggest that for 12 years, all she's talked about is her issue. All she's prayed about is her issue. All she sought help about is her issue. Can I tell you something? If all you do is focus on your issue, you can get so focused on your issue, you lose sight of who God is. You lose sight of, and actually you can lose sight of who you are, who you're called to be, and actually the only thing that's big to you anymore is your issue. The only thing that is relevant in your life is your problem and actually whenever you start talking more about your problem than your promise you start magnifying the the problem and you forget your promise you know there's a a famous phrase that says don't tell god how big your mountain is tell the mountain how big your god is and so she's got this issue and I, i believe this when we serve a god we serve a god who heals We serve a God who restores, we serve a God who revives, who sets captive hearts and minds free, who gives us an eternal hope, and I want us to get excited about what God can do. I want us to get expectant and and, and have an anticipation about what God can do. I don't know if Rob can come and join me. And, And she's got 12 years of disappointment. 12 years of pain. Probably she spent all her money on doctor's bills to try and get this problem sorted. And she hears about Jesus. And she comes up to Jesus, and she has this kind of thought in her mind. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. If I can just get a touch... And that word hem, the, the word hem of his garment, the same word can be translated as wings. And this is why I think, because you might think, why, why touch the, the hem of his garment? What, what's important about the bottom of his garment? Well, actually, that same word is the word wings. And it's a call back to a passage in Malachi 4.2, which says the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. If I can touch his wings... If I can touch his wings, if I can touch the end of his robe, I'll get a touch of his power. I'll get a healing touch. And, the, and this voice tells her, maybe she's got this Malachi text running through her, her mind. She says, Do you know what? If I can just touch his garment, I'm going to be made whole again. And she presses through the crowd. She, she recognizes her problem, but she reaches for the promise. And she says, "Do you know what? If I can just touch... I'll be made whole. She touches Jesus' garment. And what happens? Instantly, she's made whole. 12 years of sickness. One touch, she's healed. God can do it in a touch, by the way. Now, please don't go around grabbing each other's skirts. That's not on. But God can do it in a touch. In a moment, you can be Healed, and, and there's, a, there's an incredible bit in this passage because that could have been it. That could have been it. We read later on in Acts how, how Paul would be walking through places, and even his shadow falling on people would heal them. Now, Paul didn't, he just walked on. But Jesus stops dead in his tracks and he goes, Who did that? Who touched me? I felt healing power go from me this isn't a brushing past you know what you go to a busy crowd you're bumping into people all the time it's not an accidental bump there's, there's, a, there's an intention here something happened in that moment that Jesus felt and he says, you know what I felt that I felt something happen I felt that power go from me and the woman gets the touch she wanted it and it came with her healing but what, what I love about this text Jesus isn't done she knows she's been healed, and Jesus is there. Everything stops, and Jesus goes, who touched me? And this woman comes forward, and she falls at his feet. This woman with no name, defined by her problem, defined by her issue, and this is what Jesus says, daughter. Calls her daughter. I bet no one had called her daughter in years. Because she's defined by a problem. And in a moment, she's not called by her condition anymore. She's identified by who she is. She's a daughter of God. She's a child of God. And not only does she get a physical healing, she gets a spiritual one. Her mind is set free. Those years of shame, the years of guilt, the years of isolation, loneliness, separation, pain, in a moment they're gone because Jesus said one word, he said, daughter. I think Jesus has got words for us this morning. And sometimes it's just one word that Jesus would speak And then Jesus says this, do you know what? Your suffering is over. All of it. Go in peace. What incredible words. Not only has she been healed physically, she's been healed and restored emotionally. Now she gets to live her life in the freedom that God has given her. Your physical suffering, your emotional suffering, your financial suffering is gone. With a touch and a word. Go in peace. And I've deliberately been shorter this morning, quicker than I normally would be, because I want us to give a moment. Because I think God wants to do things in people's lives. I think God wants to heal people this morning. I think God wants to touch people's lives. I think God wants to do miracles in people's lives situations, I believe God wants to give people the word they need. Someone came up to me before the service and said, I really feel there's there's people here that are weighed down with grief. That there's a burden of grief on them. And God wants to say, it's okay. Cast your burdens onto me because I care for you. There's one more thing in the the miracles that Jesus performed, the 5,000 and the 4,000. It says in both texts, Jesus felt compassion. Jesus felt sorry for the people. You know, Jesus is interested in your soul, but he's also interested in your needs. When that woman touched Jesus, Jesus felt it. When he looked at the people, he felt sorry for them. And compassion compels us to action. When we feel something, we're called and compelled and driven to do something about it. And I want to tell you this morning, you might be sitting here saying, do you know what? Jesus doesn't care. Can I promise you he does? He cares about your situation. He cares about your illness. He cares about your sickness. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your job. He cares about your career. He cares about every part of your life. If it's important enough for you to worry about, it's important enough for Jesus to care about. I want us to be expectant this morning. Rob's going to lead us in a song and I just want to invite you if you know you need healing if you know you need a miracle if you know there's been something that's holding you back and you need to be set free we're going to come expectant we're going to come expectant for God to move and to break in So if you're able and you know that's you, I'd love to invite you just to stand as as an initial act of faith saying, God, here I am. God, do that work. God, would you do a healing work in me? God, would you do a miraculous work in my life? If that's you, I'm going to give you a moment. Would you stand so we can pray with you, pray for you?